So we've got a very strange gospel today, where in the first couple of lines, everyone is celebrating Jesus, saying how astounded they are at how gracious his words are. But by the end of it, they're dragging him to the top of a cliff trying to kill him. Now, I kind of think the best way to explain what's going on here, if you can forgive me for using a slightly political analogy, let's talk about the Queen. Um, in, in Australia, there are very mixed views around the monarchy. Some people are die-hard Republicans and think that we should get rid of the Queen altogether. Let's do it ourselves. We can make our own decisions. But there is a growing number of Australians who love the monarchy. We like the Queen and all of her kids and all the in-laws. Because it's kind of fun, isn't it? You know, they come and we can go out of the road and give them flowers and all marvel at what Megan's wearing and all this sort of stuff. And, and so you've got people who are kind of the fans, you know, they, or the curious maybe. Um, but then you've got your die-hard monarchists, you know, who, given half the chance, they would quite happily have Queen Elizabeth planted in the centre of Parliament House, making all the laws for us. Now, amongst the curious or the fans or even the diehards, I think you'd have to admit that even they would like the Queen to keep her distance at a certain point. You know, as much as we might enjoy all the glamour and festival of the monarchy, if you were to come home this afternoon and find the Queen sitting at your kitchen table going through your finances saying, we need to talk, uh, I've made a few decrees about how you're going to spend your money from now on. I'm assuming you'd change your opinions about the monarchy fairly quickly, correct? Yeah. Um, you know, I think if the Queen started poking her nose into stuff that simply wasn't her business, if she decided to be the Queen of everything and have complete decision over every part of your life, you know, if she said, let's talk about the private parts of your marriage, shall we? You'd probably be going to look for a pitchfork and chase her out of town. Now, if I can use this analogy, I think this is a bit where we find ourselves with Jesus. Because you do have people who don't want anything to do with Jesus. In a sense, they're like the celestial republicans. Let's, let's just do it ourselves. We can make our own rules, thank you very much. We will decide what is moral. We don't need a God sticking his nose in where he's not wanted. You've got a lot, of, a lot of other people who are the curious. You know, they'll sort of sit on the fringes and they'll enjoy spirituality. You've got others, probably like us, who are the fans. Or maybe the committed. You know, we, we love coming to different gatherings. We love praying. We love the church stuff. But I think this is where this gospel impacts us. Because the people Jesus was talking to were the fans. They were the committed. They were the ones who were going to the synagogue every Saturday and they were praying devoutly. But, like those with the Queen, they wanted her to keep a healthy distance. And I think this is the great mystery of our faith, that as much as we want God and we like God, we also want God to keep a healthy distance from us. And so this is part of what happens in this gospel. Jesus has stood up, we heard it last week, and he's boldly proclaimed, the spirit of the Lord has been given to me, for he has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the poor. And these people are inspired. 
You know, they're like, that's amazing. How gracious your words are. We love hearing such things. But then he's basically turned around and saying, right, let's get to work, shall we? Because these are not just nice words. I'm actually going to bring these about. These words have now been fulfilled in your midst. And I'm here to start basically poking my nose into your lives. And let's work out where you are in prison and I can set you free. Where you are dead and I can raise you to life. And suddenly, the ones who are committed start to back off saying, we don't quite want you going there. And very quickly, the fans now become the enemies, dragging him to the top of a cliff trying to kill him. I think this is where it becomes uncomfortable for us. Because as much as we are the fans and we are the committed, to what degree do we actually want Christ to be Lord of everything? You know, there's the old saying that used to be said all around the charismatic renewal, that if if Jesus is not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. Do we actually want him to be king? Do we actually want him to be Lord over every part of our life? Yeah, this second reading we're all very familiar with. Love is patient, love is kind, love is never jealous, love is never boastful, conceited. Now once again, we, we can hear this as a fan, as an admirer, and we can think, oh, isn't that wonderful? Such gracious words. But once again, if you were to go home today and find Jesus sitting at the kitchen table saying, right, I'm thinking we need to use this to create an inventory of your life. Let's go through every aspect, starting with your finances, shall we? And see where we, where, where we measure up. We would be trying to find every excuse to get him out the door. You know, saying, maybe you should start next door and heal that woman. Um, there, there's always that point where we don't quite want him really bringing these words about. We love the encouragement, we love the the inspiration, but for him to actually start to be God in our life, to actually start to want to bring healing and redemption, that's where it gets a bit uncomfortable. Now I think this this impacts uh, us on two levels. You know, for us to really stop and ask that question of, How much am I really allowing Christ to have access to my life? You know, to what degree do I allow the scriptures to impact me? I think one of the big reasons we don't read the scriptures is because they're just uncomfortable. Or we we only like to read the nice bits and and we leave out all the other bits that are challenging. You know, to what degree am I really allowing Christ access to fully come in? That's, that's the first challenge. But the this, this second part hits on our, on our call to mission. Because for us as missionaries, we are called to bring Christ into people's lives where he becomes Lord of their life. And there is this growing temptation, I think, for us to just keep Jesus on the level of being the nice, inspirational person that we can admire. And, and I think you see this in, very, in many different aspects of our church where people are happy to hear about Jesus as long as we don't have to really take him that seriously or as long as we don't have to change because of him. And for us, when we, when we experience this call to go and evangelise, I think there can be a real temptation to keep it very light and very simple. 
You know, we'll only talk about the nice bits. God is love. God is merciful. But any real talk about serious conversion and serious change or healing, we can dance around that bit and avoid it. If you look at the, the first reading from Jeremiah, the call of Jeremiah is a very uncomfortable and probably quite painful calling. Because God is saying to Jeremiah, I want you to go and say everything. Don't just give the nice consoling word. Don't just say things that are going to make people happy. But actually go and preach the full truth of what people need to hear. And if you go on and read the rest of the story, Jeremiah spends a lot of time bargaining with God saying, is there any way I can get out of this? I really don't want to have to do this. He's one of the most honest prophets we've got in the whole Bible. Because I think what he's trying to show here is this constant battle of the human heart where we don't really want God to take over. We always want to keep God at a safe distance. And so here, when Jeremiah is called to actually preach the gospel in its entirety, you know, to actually bring real conversion to people, he knows instinctively the persecution he's going to get. He knows how much people are going to abuse him and you know, try to kill him many times. This, I think, is the question for us as a church, as a community. So often we hear people calling us to go out on mission, calling us to evangelize. I think these two questions are where we need to start. To what degree have I actually allowed Christ in, in my own life? Am I keeping God distant because I'm just too uncomfortable letting him get too close? And to what degree am I prepared to actually really preach the gospel? Even when I know the consequences it may have. Now they have two very difficult questions. Um, there is no simple answer to those and you've got to take them into your prayer and ask God to help you out with that. But I think for every person in your own vocation, in your own space of life, to really start to engage seriously with that. Because the reality is that when we read the scriptures, we find ourselves in those stories. You know, so when we read this gospel today, where the followers, the committed so quickly turned against Christ. We want to make sure that we're not part of that story. You know, we want to make sure that we would not be standing alongside those Jewish people dragging him to the cliff face. Are we prepared to really go through that real deep conversion? Allow the Spirit of God to convict us every single day through the Scriptures? And, and even then, are we prepared with Jeremiah to say that we would actually take up that calling to be able to go and be a prophet to the nations, even though that gospel is uncomfortable?